The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Turn with me to Psalm 117. We're going to get through some scripture here. Hallelujah. And verse 2. Verse 1. Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. For his mercy and loving kindness are great toward us. And the truth and faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Romans. <laughs> Romans 8. And verse 37. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, not height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now Ephesians 2. Verse four. But God, so rich is he in his mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him for us. It is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. So in case you didn't notice, we're going to talk about the love of God today. Amen. Hallelujah. We have some more scripture though. Turn with me to 1 John. 1 John 4. And verse 8. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not and never did know him, for God is love. 
That's a powerful verse right there. Do you love? Are you loving people? In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed where we are concerned in that God sent his son, the only begotten or unique son, into the world so that we might live through him. If this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. Sounds nice. Are you really loving though? Do you have the love of God flowing through you every day for people? I know I don't every day, I try. We'll find out. There's a lot I want to get into. So God is love. He can only love. But people have a twisted view of what love is. They don't actually know what love is. They think they know what love is, but they don't know what love is. If you don't love, then you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with him. You have not allowed him to come in and change your life. You are not in communion with him. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, I was praying for like six weeks. You know, is she the one? I've shared this before, but it's a really good, it's the closest thing I've come. So I'm praying, I believe in God, I'm like in turmoil, you know. It's a big decision, you know. Not even dating, we're just friends. I knew I liked her. She looked good, hallelujah. <laughs> she was feisty, I like them, like that. <laughs> she could tell even the first day I met her, she was like, we're just friends, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, we're just friends. In the back of my head, I'm like, for now, you know. So. <laughs> I remember saying that in my head, like vividly, so. But I didn't know, for sure. I didn't know. So I'm praying. I'm pressing in. I put on worship music. I pray for hours. <laughs> and I felt like God say, love her. That's all he said to me. And it was like something, it didn't open up on the inside of me, it went flowed through me. God gave me like this glimpse of how much love he has for my wife. 
through me. It was so powerful. It was so vast. It was like there was no, you know, it's like as endless as the sky. And I just got a glimpse. Just a tiny glimpse. And that was it, I was done, I knew. That's all it took, hallelujah. Do I feel that every day? No. But we'll get into that, hallelujah. Love's not a feeling. But I felt it. And then when my kids were born, you get another glimpse of God's love for you. And you even see like the world, how they treat their kids, how they can just abortion, abuse them, everything, and you're like, how? It does not even make sense. You see how much, but they don't have a revelation of God's love. (coughs) They have no concept. When uh, my wife was giving birth to the twins, Jetty and Kennedy, you know, she gave birth to Jetty in the the room where you're not supposed to give birth to twins. Um, But he just came out so fast, you know. So, and then uh, Kennedy, she didn't want to come out. She was stuck in there. So, um, she's like, no, it's nice and warm, you know. Um, <laughs> so they pull me in, and I'm pulling on the, you know, the, the thing in the booty, and then they're like, you know, then they kick me out. She had to, get a cesarean because the epidural didn't hold or whatever, so I had to go and wait. Now like, I'm like freaking out. I have one kid who I just left, you know, to go get the other one. Now I got this kid, and so I picked up Jetty. And you know, a lot of emotions, a lot of things are flooding through your head right now, you know, a lot of concerns. But I looked into his like eyes, and I was like, it's worth it whatever the sacrifice. And it was like in that moment, in that one specific moment, even if my wife didn't make it through the surgery, I knew it was worth it. It didn't mean I didn't love her. It didn't mean I didn't care for her. It was in that moment that the one mattered. And it reminded me, Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man came to save from the penalty of eternal death that which was lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray and gets lost? Will he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? And if it should be that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices more over it than, the other, than over the other 99 that did not get lost. I had a revelation 
It did not, I read that scripture, but I didn't understand it until that happened. And then they handed me Kennedy, and I knew, whatever the sacrifice, it was worth it. And I knew she was gonna be safe. I knew my wife was safe. I wasn't afraid that she was going to die. I just had that revelation that whatever the sacrifice is, it was worth it. Another revelation that when God is loving you, you are his focus. You are the one. And whatever sacrifice he had to make, it was worth it. Whatever sacrifice he had to sacrifice his son for the one. So powerful. What is love? Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes, even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. So love is not only love in the sense of I love you, brother. It's also correction. How many of you know, I mean, some people, they do this without even thinking. I have a hard time correcting people, chastising, rebuking, like it's just, I have to do it. That's the only reason I do, otherwise I just, you know, probably just, you know, it takes effort, it takes work. I'd rather be in the computer room, you know, behind a computer. I'd rather be, you know, somewhere else, not involved in all this mess. <laughs> and I now have to come and tell you what you're doing wrong. And then I see the look on your face, you know. I think people think, you know, they look at all the leaders and they just look at us, you know, correcting people and rebuking people, and ah, you know. And they don't understand actually how much effort it takes. Like, and we have to love you to do it. <laughs> we didn't love you. It would be so easy to let you just go marry that person and, <laughs> you know, believe that bad doctrine. People have no concept, and until you're in it, you don't realize. It's work, it's effort. But it's because we care about you. We don't wanna see you screw up your life. Now if you make the choice to, that's your choice. But we have to get in, we have to say the truth. It would be so easy so easy just to sit by 
and let everything just happen. Everyone's happy with us. Everyone's friendly. Hallelujah. I love you, brother. Is that your third wife? Oh, she's lovely. Your kids, I mean, they're just, you know, yeah, they're a little handful, but we'll just, we'll just put them on the playground because they can't really be around other kids, you know. I know how you don't like to correct them either. Be chaos. Nobody would be getting raised up. And why do you think everybody tries to come to this church and poach people for their own ministries? Because we correct. People change. They get stronger. They get challenged. Rather than in some other churches where they're just comfortable. Nobody ever corrects them. So the first time you do, my God. Oh, hell breaks loose. If you love, you correct, just like he does us. If you're not receiving any correction from the Lord, I'll be worried. I'll be very worried. I would have a good look at myself if the Lord never corrected me. It is not abuse. People think when you correct somebody, you're judging them, you're, you're abusing them. They're so abusive with the church. <laughs> Told me I can't wave my flag. One star Google review. Sorry. <laughs> they want the love, they don't want the correction. But that is love. Nobody is correcting you. They probably don't love you. They don't care enough about you. They don't care about your decisions, what you're making. You know what, people feel it, teenagers. They feel it when their parents don't correct them. Right? And they're cutting themselves, they're abusing themselves. They know they need it. Many people want God's love without correction. But that's not how it works. As a parent, you have to discipline your kids because you love them. If you have a dog, you should discipline your dog. You have to train them, right? Otherwise, they're a menace to society. We had one of our, you know, our, our dog, wouldn't it be Jesus, Holly? I believe that. I believe dogs go to heaven. I don't know. <laughs> just, just, 
Just for me, just my dogs, no. I believe God gives you desires of your heart, so I don't care, you know, hey. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but. Um, anyway, so we get this new puppy, amazing puppy. Thing is a menace. It's like the sweetest thing. And then it's an outright terror. <laughs> and you're like, the last time I trained a puppy was 14 years ago. <laughs> I got to remember, how, how, do I, how do I train this thing? How do I correct it? Thing runs at the door, it's gone. <laughs> Oh, come back. <laughs> and we will. We will train it. It's already starting to get trained. But it's a process. And correction doesn't always involve rebuke. Right? You can get corrected with a reward. You see other people, they're getting blessed. You're not. You give, you get blessed, you were corrected. It's like a dog, trained with treats, toys. <laughs> not calling everyone dogs here, but you know. Man's best friend and all. Um, and then other things you have to discipline. The things that are like gonna end their life if they don't do it. If they run into traffic, you're probably you're not gonna correct that with the reward. You know? <laughs> but it is still correction. And not everything you go through is a correction. A lot of it's just the consequences of your own dumb ideas. You know, the bad decisions you made last year that are catching up to you. <laughs> and you can think, oh, the Lord is pruning me. <laughs> no, you were just dumb. <laughs> and that's fine. We all make mistakes. <laughs> the Lord delivers us, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not going to read it, but I would encourage everyone to go read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. If you haven't already, like read it every day this week. Just get it in you. Get that on the inside of you. Instill it. Love takes effort. It takes effort to discipline. It takes effort to love. It takes effort to have grace. It takes effort to forgive. It takes effort to choose every day to love. It's not a feeling. You can feel it. I felt it. But it's not a feeling. You know, I'd take it with my wife, you know. Dated for two years. Never, like, barely fought. 
those tiny arguments. We had some intense situations. You know, she had to go back to Australia, but we never fought. And then it was like the two-year mark rolls around. It's like all those butterflies and warm fuzzies, like reality sets in. Now it's a choice. <laughs> Doesn't come as freely. And a lot of people, that's where they cut out. That's where they give up. When they don't feel it. I don't feel it today, you know. I'll slap you. Because I love you. Amen. It's a choice. You decide. You decide. And you know what? When you're on the receiving end of a correction, it doesn't feel like love. You don't like feel, oh, this person loves me so much. <laughs> they are rebuking the crap out of me. Who has ever done that? No, nobody. I mean, if you raise your hand, you're lying now. Okay. <laughs> but then after the fact, you're like, no. They love me. They're doing this. They're telling me this because they love me. Now, I'm not saying take correction from random people in the church, but the authority is over you. Doesn't feel like love. But afterwards, you know, it was out of love that they did that. It was out of love that they want the best for you and your life. They want you to succeed. They can see things in your life that you can't see, that you're blinded to. Some people, they just reject love. They don't know how to be loved. They don't feel good enough to accept love. They self-sabotage. They don't think they're worthy. A lot of times they've just been screwed up by their parents who really are, should be models of God in your life, should be your parents. Should be being the key word there. And if your parents really screw you up, you're gonna think, well that's how God loves me. I suggest you get into healing school. Get your mind renewed. 
or they were abused by their parents and now they can't receive correction. No, everything is filtered through the eyes of abuse. Really screws them up. But the Lord has made a way of escape. They have insecurities and vulnerabilities. Again, they don't feel good enough to receive love. A lot of people, no idea how to love, no idea how to receive love. Broken vessels. God wants to restore you today. Some people have such a twisted view of what love is. Some people, they're actually loving, they don't even realize it. Although it's rare. (laughs) What's the world's current view of love? They've twisted it to mean total acceptance. Anything goes. Love is love. How dare you judge me? God says don't judge. Total acceptance sounds nice in the world's view. Sounds great. But if we don't allow love to change us, then it's not love, it's apathy and laziness masked as love. might feel accepted. They don't love you. They don't care enough about you to actually want to help you change. They want to give you a box of food and put clothes on your back. You go away, not changed at all. You haven't improved your situation. You haven't heard the truth. Feels good to open up to people. Tell them your problems. Them accept you. And then what? Nothing. So they accepted you for all your faults. And you still have your faults. Congratulations. (laughs) You're still going to hit the same problems, the same issues, same triggers, you know. Don't trigger me. One of my triggers is Starbucks coffee. Don't bring it around me. Uh, It's real. I'm not lying. I will manifest. No, okay. Um, (laughs) 
More like I'm just sad for you that you're drinking it, you know. Anyway, anyway. <sighs> I love my wife. She corrects me. I correct her. Iron sharpens iron. If you're not being sharpened, you're just getting duller and rustier. rustier. Getting more sensitive. More unable to withstand life's problems. And then the world looks at Christians who rebuke without love as examples of why Christianity is bad. If I know you love me, I can receive that rebuke. I can receive that correction. If you're rebuking from the sidewalk, is that really, you know, of course they're gonna get angry at you. It's not love. Romans 2, verse 3. And do you think or imagine, O man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and adverse verdict? Or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent? to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will. But by your callous stubbornness and impenitence of your heart, you are storing up wrath and indignation for yourself on the day of wrath and indignation when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. When they feel love, they change. When they feel God's love. That's why when you first come in here, come as you are. Come as you are. Because we know when you feel God's goodness, when you feel his love, when you become in communion with him, things will start to change. Those habits will drop off. doesn't happen all at once. It's a gradual. And you get into relationship with your wife, with your wife, with your spouse. You don't immediately become the perfect husband. Only now am I the perfect husband. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 15 years next year. And our marriage has never been better. It's a walk. Some people, how many have heard that or seen a picture, you know? If you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. You know, which is terrible. I'm just telling you right now. 
They want total exception for their every action without consequence. And that's what it boils down to. That's what the world's view of love is. Do whatever will love you and accept you. And they, every, every year they just push boundaries more. They move on to the next target. You can even look online. Years ago, my parents did a post, you know, the woman's, uh, the man's confession for the woman, for, for the husband, for the husband loving the wife and all the stuff the husband has to do. It was great. Yeah. All the women. Woo. Then we did it for the women loving the man. Not the same reaction. <laughs> How dare you? This is 2021, you know. We're equals, hallelujah. I'm not submitting to no man. Okay. And then they had to say, you know, what about the man? We posted that last week. (laughs) It's just so funny, you know. People have some twisted view. And, 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 and the reason I'm telling you this is it's creeping into the church. The world's viewpoint is creeping into the church. Seeping in through the back door. They chase feelings over faith. Matthew 24, 12. And the love, the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. How many of you feel that? The world is getting more angry with the world. People don't love anybody anymore. They worship themselves. The love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. So they're hurting themselves, they, they're abusing. Hurt people hurt people, you know. <laughs> and then what? You don't love, that's why people snap. We were made to love and to be loved. We were made to be in communion with God. Every person is born with that on the inside of them. And then life just lets them down. But it doesn't have to be like that. 
doesn't matter what situation, what background you come from. God can change you. God can turn it around. Whatever hurt you have on the inside of you that's stopping you from loving, he can remove it. Just like that. But you have to become vulnerable to him. You have to open your heart. You have to let him in. And if he's already in there, you have to let him change you. You have to let him correct you. You have to welcome the correction. You have to enjoy it. It's like a Navy SEAL. They get pushed to the brink. Cold, heat, sand, exhaustion, lack of sleep, lack of food. They come out. It's like that with love. So what can you do? Win souls. If you love, then you love. And the best way to love somebody is to bring them into the kingdom. It is evidence of that. It is out of the abundance that that happens. That's why we are a loving church. We win souls. You believe the best of everybody. And every time I staff conflict, pull them in, but with parties. And I come with the intention that if that person is under the direction, the promptings, the leadings of the Lord, and that person is under the promptings, directions, and leading of the Lord, then whatever conflict they're having is just a simple miscommunication. Is it always the case? No. But that is my, that is how I walk into every single meeting. I'm believing the best. And if God's called you here, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Treat everybody the same. Pastor, the way he talks to people does not change if he's talking to an evangelist winning millions of souls to Jesus or a businessman who's literally still in the world. He doesn't treat anybody differently. He shares the same vision, the same passion, 
same love of Jesus. Love people God's way. Now this is not a treatise on God's love. It is not a complete version. God's love is so vast. This is but a a glimpse. But don't shy away from loving. Don't shy away from giving correction or receiving correction. Even in the world, they tell you confrontation is the best problem solver. It's when you sit back and just let things happen that things go to pot. They fall. They fail. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Second Timothy 4.2. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome, you as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting and warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Inexhaustible. I'm not there yet. I exhaust. (laughs) My tank for correction is already low. As I said, it's not like my number one go-to. You know, my son, AJ, it just comes naturally, man. He's the firstborn. He corrects those twins, you know, just without even thinking. And I'm like, you are not the parent. (laughs) I am sitting right here. (laughs) Quit telling them how to eat their food. (laughs) Every day. I need to harness that. He's going to be an amazing leader. (laughs) And he loves, he loves those twins. He watches out for him. It's great. Even I was reading, um, basically, we have the worst amount of kids, apparently. Um, If you have one kid, you know, it's a lot easier. Two becomes a struggle. Three is like the worst, because you still have enough time to have really high standards. (laughs) And then four, it it just gets easier at four. Because you're like, you know, they made it school. (laughs) 
That's what I've been told, at least. But thankfully, the older kids start to help raise the other ones. That's why you got to raise your firstborn right, because they're, they're, they're copying it. They're doing it. When they're all alone upstairs, you know, who's in charge? Big bro. He's going to tell you what to do. And then the little ones are going to tattle, you know. But whether you give correction easily or not, it has to be out of love. People have to know that you love them. And they feel it. Kids feel it when I discipline them. And that's why a lot of the world is screwed up. Because if you discipline without love, it's abuse. There's no love attached to it. It's an ass whooping. (laughs) Good old fashioned. No love. You just hurt. You don't feel corrected. So there's a way to do it. But you have to do it. I mean, the world, that's why schools are messed up. Everybody wants the school teacher to discipline their kids. They come home, no correction, no instruction. And they release them onto the world. I'm so glad I'm not a public school teacher right now in today's age. And if you are, you have amazing grace. Hallelujah. No, they expect, and even, even Christian parents send their kids to university, expecting us to parent them, fix all their shortcomings. Because they just want to be the nice parent. Well, I'm the nice parent. I love. Oh, it's okay, Johnny. That's fine. They shield their kids from consequence. And their kid doesn't make, fails a class. It's not because their kid didn't listen. Because the teacher didn't teach them the right way. And the parent steps in, lets that teacher know. It's always somebody else's problem, why they're failing. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work as a society. Our society is failing. So when it does, who are they going to look to? The church. 
So be ready. If you don't know God's love right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want every head bowed and eyes closed. If you've come here today and you fit into one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Maybe you came here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, come and be my Savior. But you say, today, I want to come and surrender. Today is my day of surrender. Today, I'm going to give my heart to him. Today, I'm going to give my life to him. Somebody said, I'm going to go and get myself in better shape, and then I'll come back. But as you heard, that's not what you do. You come just as you are, and you fully surrender. You can't fix yourself. If you could, you would have. You come as you are and surrender to him and say, Lord, here I am. He loves you and he stands with arms wide open. What would happen today if today was your last day on earth? If you went home tonight and put your head on your pillow, in the middle of the night, you breathed out your last breath, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on a Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Not only will the power of sin be broken off your life, but the power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life too. You might have come today in here one way, but you're gonna leave another way. He loves you. He stands with arms wide open. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He calls you today. Will you surrender? Maybe you came here today. You gave your life to the Lord in days gone by, but you've grown cold. You're not serving God like you should. Perhaps you were once on fire for God, but you've lost that joy, that peace, that passion that you once had. You don't even know how to get it back. Or maybe you were hurt. But today, God calls you. He says, come back. Come back to your first love. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. Surrender to him afresh. He calls you. Will you surrender to him? He loves you so much. Maybe it's something hidden that no one can see. People don't know. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, lust, the hidden things of the heart that clog the heart of man. But he says, today, I will take out the stony heart and I will put you in a heart of flesh. He said, a new spirit I will put within you. Will you say, Lord, here I am. I come just as I am. He loves you so much today. Maybe it's not something hidden. Maybe it's something outward and the enemy keeps you in a place of guilt and condemnation. You feel like God will never use you because of the things that have happened in your life. I want you to know that the devil is a liar and God is the God of a new beginning, a second chance. He says, come. Will you surrender to him afresh? He calls you today and loves you. 
Maybe it's not a hidden or outward, maybe it's a storm that gave against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world, knocked the wind out of you. You don't even know how to get it back, but you say today, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to my first love. He loves you. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then lastly, you're in this place. You love the Lord. That's not even a question, but you're not sure of your salvation. And the devil's always lying to you, telling you that you're not saved. But today you want to make sure. Today you want to know you, you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. If this is right, when you are quickly, please put your hand up. Say, pray for me, I need Jesus. Put your hand up right now. If this is you and you need Jesus, please put your hand up. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want everybody to look at me. Everyone in this section right now, if you did not raise your hands and you want to be included in this prayer, please raise your hands now. Balcony and above. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In this middle section, the bottom and the top, if you did not raise your hands and you want to be included in this prayer, you are ready to give your life to Jesus, please raise your hands up high. Thank you. <coughs> in this section right here, in this section right here, bottom and top, if, please raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now come, please stand up and come and make a public profession. Come, he loves you so much. He loves you. We'll wait for you in the balconies. Come, come, come. Give your life to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your life will never be the same. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. I just feel like there's, there's some more. Your heart's tugging on you. It's pounding in your chest. Come right now. Come right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. you so much. I want you to close your eyes and raise your right hand. Repeat after me. Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me, change me, cleanse me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. Lord, I turn my back on the world and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I will never be the same again. I confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. Hallelujah. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now lift both your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you seal them right now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one of them are missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God. Use them to impact this generation. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that comes to repentance. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.